Welcome to the podcast of First Presbyterian Church of Marietta, where we are committed to changing lives with faith, hope, and love. We're so glad you are here. Our second reading is from the New Testament book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verses 1 through 22 with some spaces in between those. This is abbreviated. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Indeed, by faith, our ancestors received approval. By faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to set out for a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he set out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he stayed for a time in the land he had been promised, as in a foreign land, living in tents, as did Jacob and Isaac, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. All of these died in faith without having received the promises, but from a distance they saw and greeted them. They confessed that they were strangers and foreigners on the earth, for people who speak in this way make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of the land that they had left behind, they would have had an opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better homeland, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. Indeed, he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Isaac invoked blessings for the future on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave instructions about his burial. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I've always liked Hebrews chapter 11. It's a nice short synopsis of the Old Testament. Somehow it manages to condense 39 books into about 39 verses. It's helpful like that. Hebrews chapter 11 gives us a rundown of the giants of our faith, and it reads almost like a genealogy. The Bible is full of genealogies. You've read them. Nahor begat Terah, Terah begat Abram, Abram begat Isaac, Isaac begot Jacob. But Hebrews 11 isn't a typical genealogy. It's a genealogy of faith. And we have our own genealogies of faith. You have yours, I have mine, the people who came before us, who taught us and guided us. And those teachers have their own genealogies of faith. And so on, it goes back and back and back. This church has a genealogy of faith, too. Some of our families have been part of this church for decades. Some of our families have been part of this church for centuries. Back in 1835, First Presbyterian Church formed, and it formed under the guidance of three elders. One of them was an ancestor of Anne Stoskoff. Today, our session has 24 elders. And one of those elders is Anne Stoskoff. She stands on the shoulders of giants. 120 years later, the, uh, the small town of Marietta began to grow. The church began to grow. And our congregation had a vision to invest in a new building, an education wing. 
And in 1960, the cotton building was completed. That's the back part of the preschool building today. The cotton building was to be used on Sundays for church school and on weekdays for preschool. And in 1963, the preschool welcomed its first two classes, and Jim Corley was in one of those classes. (laughs) Today, our preschool has grown tremendously from those roots, and we serve 250 students a year. Move forward to 1988, Jim and Flora Speed Sunday School class noticed that there are underserved students in our neighborhood. They have a vision. This class has a vision to provide a safe, supportive after-school program. From those humble beginnings, Club 330 was birthed. And this program now serves one out of every 10 students at Hickory Hills Elementary School. We have waiting lists for our preschool. We have waiting lists for Club 330 because this community knows that First Presbyterian Church values children's education. And they know that because we have continued to build on the work of those who came before. These vibrant ministries don't happen overnight. They stand on the shoulders of giants. You've heard that phrase, standing on the shoulders of giants. You might not know where it comes from, though. It comes from Sir Isaac Newton. My daughter said, I know Sir Isaac Newton. He's the guy with the apple fell on his head, and he invented gravity. I said, that's a legend. (laughs) He was a famous mathematician. In 1675, Newton is not very famous, though. He's a math professor at Cambridge University in England, and he's busy inventing something called calculus. Yeah, I heard some boos in the crowd. If you want to thank someone for that calculus class you took in high school, it's Isaac Newton. Newton is basing his calculus on something called analytical geometry, a field invented by another famous mathematician named Rene Descartes. You don't need to know geometry for this sermon. I just tell you that to tell you this. When asked about his research, Isaac Newton said what Rene Descartes did was a good step. If I have seen further, than him, it is by standing on the shoulders of giants. Sir Isaac Newton is now recognized as one of the greatest mathematicians in human history. He refuted the claims of Aristotle. He disproved 2,000 years of scientific misunderstanding. Not only did he invent calculus, he also discovered and described gravity. And yet, he acknowledges that he doesn't do it all on his own. The work that he does stands in a long line of scholarship. Without Descartes' geometry, we don't get Newtonian physics. And without Newtonian physics, we don't get skyscrapers or jet engines or those weird-looking Segway scooters that you all used on vacation. Isaac Newton built on the work of others. That's how knowledge works. It's built. And what's true for knowledge is also true for faith. Faith is built. Hebrews chapter 11 lists the giants of faith, the shoulders upon which the church stands. Our Old Testament lesson from Genesis focuses on one of those stories, the story of Jacob. Remember, Abram begot Isaac, Isaac begot Jacob, Jacob begot 12 sons, the 12 tribes of Israel. 
And Jacob has a twin brother, Esau. Esau is older by minutes. Their ages may be close, but their relationship is not. As teenagers, Jacob tricks Esau into giving up his birthright. And the birthright was the double inheritance given to the oldest son. Later, when their father is on his deathbed, Jacob tricks his father into giving him Esau's blessing. So now Esau has lost his birthright and his blessing, and he's not happy about it. Jacob hears that Esau wants to kill him, so Jacob flees. He flees all the way to his uncle Laban's. He marries his uncle's two daughters, which are his cousins, because things were different back then. Their family begins to grow and grows. And after 20 years, it's not just Jacob. It's Jacob, his two wives, two concubines, 11 children, and hundreds, maybe thousands of livestock. Jacob has amassed great wealth. And it is in that moment that God calls him to return home. Jacob doesn't want to go home. Why would he want to go home? It's not a great option. Esau is waiting at home, and Esau wants to kill him. But Jacob trusts God when God promises to be with him. And so Jacob, his two wives, his two concubines, 11 children, thousands of livestock, pack up and they begin the journey. And as they draw near to Jacob's home country, they see a figure way off in the distance, and it's Esau. But he's not alone. He has 400 men with him. Well, they can't turn around now. They've already been spotted. So Jacob starts sending gifts. 30 camels, 30 donkeys, 50 cows, 200 goats, 200 sheep. This was only a portion of what Jacob owned. Finally, Jacob comes face to face with his brother. And Esau has every right to turn him away. He has the power to do worse. And remember what we read, what Esau did? He runs forward and embraces his brother. And as for the gifts, Esau says, keep them. I already have plenty. It's a remarkable act of forgiveness. It's a remarkable act of reconciliation. It's so remarkable we might forget about the two wives, the two concubines, and the 11 children who are watching. The youngest of the children is a boy named Joseph. Remember Joseph with this Technicolor dream coat? Joseph will grow up to be betrayed by his brothers, sold into slavery in Egypt, thrown into prison, and then raised up as second in command to Pharaoh. When Joseph reaches middle age, the brothers who betrayed him will kneel at his feet and beg for food because there is a famine. And at that moment, Joseph has a choice to make. He has every right to turn them away. He has the power to do far worse. Instead, like his uncle Esau, Joseph chooses to forgive. He runs forward. He embraces his brothers. He kisses them. And they weep. We remember the story of Joseph. We often forget the story of Esau. 
But without Esau's radical act of forgiveness, I'm not sure we get Joseph's radical act of forgiveness because faith is built. And when it comes to our faith, we stand on the shoulders of giants. So who are your giants? Who are your giants? Who showed you what it means to live as a Christian? Was it a teacher or a mentor? Was it a parent? Was it a friend? When you have to make a difficult decision, whose voice is in your head? Today, we commission our Sunday school teachers and Bible study leaders. These are people who walk beside you in your faith journeys. There's, there's over 50 of these folks in our congregation who give their time and it's no small calling. But being a Christian is no small calling either because to be a disciple of Jesus is to take your place in a long line of believers. And that means that just as you look up to your giants of faith, someone is looking up to you. One day someone will stand on your shoulders and when they do, how far will they see? You may not feel like a giant of faith. That doesn't mean you aren't one. That doesn't mean you won't be one. God may be at work right now drawing you into closer relationship. And that's how faith is built. It's built in relationship. Jesus chooses 12 disciples to do life with. Who are you doing life with? Where is your small group? Where is your class? Who are the people who are keeping you rooted in Scripture, accountable to it every single day, no matter what life throws at you? Because that's what it takes. Yes, God plants the seed. But yes, we have a responsibility to cultivate it. Steady practice. Consistent discipline. And one day, you will look around and realize that you're the giant. And that is what I pray for this congregation as a body, for each of you as individuals, that you will cultivate that seed. That one day, we will grow so tall in our faith that the person who stands on our shoulders will see further than we could ever dream. Amen. This podcast is a ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Marietta. Come join us Sundays at 189 Church Street, Marietta, Georgia, or visit us online at fpcmarietta.org.